Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly, with Faker Others, and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot, oh. and finds the net! On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello, happy Monday. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Arsenal, Manchester City, and Chelsea secure big wins in the Women's FA Cup quarterfinals. Side for Miedemar. Miedemar might shoot. Miedemar does shoot. And when Miedemar shoots, you know how that story ends, folks. West Ham overcome a stoic Ipswich town to get back to the semi-finals for the first time since 2019. West Ham win possession from the goal kick. Here is Walker. That's us to Phillips. Sees the run of Evans. 1-0 to the WSL side. The draw for the last four has taken place. We'll tell you who faces who. And we hear from one of the most exciting goalkeepers in the WSL, Hannah Hampton. Yeah, I'll keep hammering into everyone. Just follow your own dreams and don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. We'll also be chatting Women's Champions League, Scottish Women's Football and hearing from the FA's Kelly Simmons. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Ashley from Putnam Hotspur and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Oh, it's Monday again. A very warm welcome to Women's Football Weekly. Got a fantastic guest for you today. Hello, Jen Beattie. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It's brilliant to see you. Arsenal and Scotland defender, of course. You've had a bit of a weekend off. Yeah, the joys of playing on a Friday night, I guess. I know, lovely. Listen, the Women's FA Cup semi-final draw has just taken place. Friend of the show, Faye White, who won the competition with Arsenal nine times. Was she kind? That is the question, Jen Beattie, because the draw is out. West Ham will face Manchester City at home, and you are at home to hold us Chelsea. Of course, a replay of last season's final. What was your reaction when the draw was made? I think we were just happy to be home, to be honest. I think, you know, you don't get to a semi-finals without playing a top, top team. So I think we would have taken anyone at home and, you know, fingers crossed it goes well and we get to Wembley. Yeah, I keep all of my fingers crossed for you. Um, really exciting um, semi-final draws. And, of course, really exciting last week that we got to talk about FA Cup prize money, finally, after the FA announced that prize money for the competition is going to increase tenfold to £3 million from next season. The current prize pot, just to remind you, is £300,000, with a winner claiming just £25,000. Uh, we still don't know what the distribution is uh, is going to be, um, 
but just as a as a reminder for you, women's teams who win in the first round proper, £850 is on offer currently, compared to the men's teams at the same stage collecting over £22,000. Uh, teams who win their fourth round ties take away two grand, compared with ninety grand for, for the men's teams at the same stage. And the holders of the women's trophy, Chelsea, picked up £25,000 for their triumph over Arsenal at Wembley in December. That's 1.4% of the £1.8 million handed to the men's champions, Leicester City. Uh, let's speak to Kelly Simmons, shall we? Director of the Women's Professional Game. How are you doing, Kelly? I'm good, thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Lovely to talk to you about positive stuff. First and <laughs> foremost, you obviously uh, made this announcement last week. We knew it was in the offing, but we didn't know what the figures were. What's the reaction been so far? Yeah, really positive. I think, you know, there's been lots of developments in the women's game. I think what um, has really pleased people about this is the commitment that it's going to be spread right across the rounds and it will really benefit all of the clubs in the women's pyramid. So, you know, this season, over 400 clubs in the competition um, and, and helping to sort of strengthen the pyramid by getting more resources, much needed resources down there has landed really well with all, all of the clubs. Yeah, Jen and I were talking about the, the, the phrasing of disproportionate amount in the early stages of the competition in terms of distribution. H- how vital is that? And what have the clubs further down the pyramid reacted to because obviously the criticism has always been that most of the time they feel as if they have to dip into their own pockets just to travel to compete in the first place yeah i think you know it's been well documented hasn't it clubs have come out and said look you know this isn't covering our costs it's costing us money uh, to compete in the uh, the women's fa cup and and you know so this means that not only will it be able to to cover those costs but it will give those clubs much needed revenue whether that's to cover other costs of playing in their league or whether that's to invest in other areas of their club so yeah really really well received and i think as you as you say you know particularly that message that it's really going to be spread right across the rounds and not just those that, that uh, get to the latter stages where there is uh, other revenue um, in the game that uh, that they get. I think for me, if I could just ask a quick question there, what do you think the succession plan would be going forward? I think, you know, looking at the, the numbers recently, it hasn't increased since 2014. So my next question would be, where can you see that improving in the future? Well, I think... Um, you obviously will keep uh, pushing to to get the prize fund up. I think really it will come through growing um, TV revenue and commercial revenue like we've done with the Women's Super League and we were able to obviously significantly increase the amount of money going to clubs because of the commercial deals and the new broadcast deal with Sky uh, and BBC and I think that that will be the same with the Women's FA Cup. It will only grow in its commercial value and as it does that we can distribute more money to, to all of the clubs. As it is, Kelly, where's where's the money coming from for this increase? It's just coming coming from the general um, FA investments back into the game. So uh, obviously, the last couple of years it's been very tough. Like a lot of companies, you know, with the impacts of COVID, not we had to cut back, we had to make redundancies, we weren't able to invest, even though. You know, we were discussing internally how much we wanted to increase uh, the Women's FA Cup prize fund um, and with Vitality coming on board and BBC um, pushing or showing more and more games, you know, it just became more and more critical. So at the moment we were able to invest more back into the game. It's come from, from that series of investments and the board, I think, only signed it off a week, two weeks ago. So obviously now we'll sit down and start to look at 
how we allocate that across the round. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because how close are you to announcing that distribution? Because that's what a lot of people are going to be very interested in. And, and, and some people perhaps surprised that you've announced the amount of money without already telling people what the distribution is. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's important. We we know that, you know, when it comes to uh, each round of the FA Cup, there's a, a big debate about the prize fund. And so once we knew that we were able to increase the overall pot, we wanted to get that message out and say, look, this is coming for next season. I think that's a really important message for all of those who are investing in, supporting and are involved in the women's game. So we wanted to get that message out quickly. Um, now we'll have a look at how we allocate that over over the next few weeks and then and talk to our women's football board. Um, because the competition grows each year, you know, we have to have a look at how many teams are coming in and therefore how many rounds. But um, But generally, I think over the next few weeks, we'll be able to sort of nail down what's a fair allocation across the rounds. But I think it was important to get that, that message out quickly. Obviously, this season, um, semi-finals are being played as, as home ties in the Men's FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, the semi-finals are played at Wembley. Might we see that for the Women's FA Cup next season? Honestly, hand on heart, I'd love to say that, but I think it might be too early. Um, our ambition is to sell out the Women's FA Cup final as part of the Women's Professional Game strategy. So that's our, our big ambition, I think. You know, it's quite a tight turnaround between quarterfinal uh, and semi-finals, and it did used to be a number of years ago. It was on neutral ground, but we struggled with that turnaround to get venues agreed and then to try and market those tickets to fans. And so, uh, we felt it was best thing to, in terms of sort of a packed ground and great atmosphere with those games on television is to is to draw out. Um, you know, the home the first team out is at home, and that gives us the best chance. You know, that I, I think you could see possibly sell out for that semi-final so um, you know they would be fantastic it's a great draw and uh, you know we could see really really big crowds and that would create a big atmosphere and I think we showed that with the League Cup final really you know smaller ground sell it out it was a fantastic experience for everybody there yeah I mean it certainly does have a different atmosphere to it just before I let you go your reaction to that semi-final draw Really exciting, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's a, a great opportunity, West Ham being at home to take on Man City in such great form. And then, of course, everybody will be looking at Arsenal, Chelsea and, uh, and you know, obviously the, they played each other in the cup final in December um, when we were sort of out of sync because of COVID. So uh, I'm sure, uh, yeah, it'd be a fascinating encounter. So, yeah, two two great ties coming up. Yeah, certainly. I'm not sure if Jen necessarily thinks <laughs> thinks that, but <laughs> lovely to chat to you as always, Kelly. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thanks Kelly Simmons much. there, Director of Women's Professional Game, uh, talking to us from the FA. Uh, right, let's go through the FA Cup results, shall we? We'll start on Friday night. Let's go in chronological order, shall we, Jen? Uh, you've had the weekend off because your Arsenal ran away 4-0 winners at home to Coventry United, who were the only championship side uh, left in the competition. They defended really well but it took till the 38th minute for their resistance to be uh, broken through Stina Blackstenius. Um, tell us about the game from your point of view, Jim. Yeah, no, I think our mentality going into the game was probably um, the thing we're most proud of. I think Coventry have gone through a really tricky year, um, having told just before Christmas that they wouldn't necessarily have jobs. So we knew that the FA Cup was massive for them because the league had kind of, because of the points reduction, had kind of gone out of their hands. But... 
um, you know, loads of changes in the team as well. So it was important for for the rest of us to get a little run out. And you know, once the sort of substitutes came on and, and took the game away, I thought it was a really good performance from all of us. Yeah, Beth Mead, Nikita Paris, Vivian Miedemar, all on the score sheet. Of course, ten games unbeaten in all competitions. Now, that feels like there's real momentum in this team. Yeah, no, I feel I feel like we are on really good form. I think we had a really bit of a blip over December and January, and with our new signings coming dropping Viv into the 10 I think a little bit of change of formation I think we've got a lot more stability in our squad at the minute and we're in a really good place which is, is really good timing obviously going to the Wolfsburg on Wednesday night Yeah Did you manage to speak to, to any of the, the girls from, from Coventry because as you said they've had such a tough year save from liquidation at the start of the year 10 point deduction in the championship means they're bottom with just one point nine points behind uh, Watford who are closest to them um, how, how are they feeling about the way the season has, has panned out for them? Yeah we, we didn't get a chance to speak to them I think you know that's still a little bit tricky with Covid and you know you're barely even allowed to shake hands let alone stand and, and chat to opponents but you know, I think credit to them the way that they performed on on that night and made it really, really difficult for us. And I can't even imagine what that that must have been like for players with, you know, families and and mortgages to pay to be told in the middle of a season that they might not have jobs coming back. But you know, thankfully, come in, someone come in and 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 saved the club for them, and they've managed to find their feet again. And you know, hopefully, moving forward, they can continue to be just as successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, exciting week for you coming up because. You've got Wolfsburg at the Emirates in the Champions League on Wednesday before a WSL North London derby also at the Emirates on Saturday, which will be uh, live on Talk Sport. I mean, to have two games back to back at the Emirates must be pretty exciting. Yeah, I don't think I've I've, I've def- definitely never had that and I don't think the women's team ever have, but it's just amazing to, to have the club back us in that sense and, and really push us as a women's team and, and put them at Emirates Stadium, I think. You know, fan experience being number one. That's it. It just adds to the spectacle of of Champions League game, and of course the North London derby. I think we're pushing fifteen thousand for that game. So, but we'll start on Wednesday. We'll enjoy the experience. It's it's a huge game for us as a team, and you know it's a good time to play them with us in our form at the minute. Yeah, it really is. We talk about a, a culture shift outside, and and, and what teams who have shifted their culture towards women's football and, and particularly not just putting in financial investment but changing the culture behind the side are really reaping rewards we look at what's going on at Tottenham this season and the, and the success that they're having compare that to uh, the nightmare season that the Everton are having in comparison but the culture change at Arsenal when you see two back-to-back games being played at the Emirates and see what you're doing in the league and in the FA Cup this season, it really makes a big difference. Absolutely. Look, I I, I don't mind saying this, but we've had open discussions with the club. I think when I came back to Arsenal in 2019, I was, I was maybe a little bit surprised that not how far behind we were as a women's team, but how much more we could do in terms of being fully integrated and, and the backing that we could receive. So the club went through a massive review, which I think came out in the media and... You know, they they really listened to us, which I think was number one. So I think games being played at the Emirates, you know, that will increase season upon season. So it's great to have two in one week and it's it's credit to the club for, for pushing those games. Absolutely. More clubs need to be paying attention to that for sure. Uh, right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. It's I'm Faker Others. Uh, you're hearing the thoughts there of Arsenal and Scotland defender Jem Beattie as well, who's with me. We will talk the rest of the Women's FA Cup action next. 
This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Arsenal defender Jen Beatty is with me as well. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Uh, now then, we've gone through one of the uh, Women's FA Cup uh, quarterfinals. Three more to get through. Manchester City 4, Everton nil was the scoreline. Lauren Hemp scoring twice to help see off struggling Everton, uh, City's third, another beauty from Caroline Weir from 25 yards out. That's just her bread and butter, isn't it? Uh, and Ellen White tapping in City's force in stoppage time. They've won the FA Cup three times, Manchester City, and they're looking for that domestic double after their League Cup triumph. Can they do it, Jem Betty? Jem Beatty. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully we'll, we'll stop them in their tracks at, at some point, whether that's in the final, but... You know, the credit to them. They have so much quality in their team and players like Caroline, we are absolutely flying at the minute, scoring worldies almost every weekend, week out. So, um, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they've performed well at the weekend and they'll continue to do so. They really feel as if we're, we're getting the old city back now. They've got players coming back. Um, they actually face Everton again. Watch out, Everton, in the WSL on Wednesday night. They're not the team that you'd want to face twice in a week at the moment. No, they they had a really difficult start to the season. I think you know they they were inundated with injuries, and now it feels like they're they're finally starting to to find some form. So hopefully, um, they can keep climbing in the, in the table and and finish top three. Ipswich Town nil, West Ham United one. Arsenal loney Lisa Evans, another player you know very well. Uh, neat little finish in the thirty-first minute, enough to get West Ham uh, through to the semis. But massive credit needs to go to third-tier Ipswich for making it this far in the first place and putting up such a battle against West Ham. Completely, I, th- I think players or teams definitely maybe underrate teams in, in in lower leagues, and it's you know we were squeezed out one 0 result against London Bees and. And again, again, commentary wasn't an easy, easy t- side for us to play. But um, you know, credit to West Ham of getting the goal. And it's, they're always tricky games playing against teams that that bank up and and do well to defend for for ninety minutes. I was just going to say, uh, I think I thought saw Tom Gary, friend of the show from the Telegraph, tweeting that fans were queuing up to get into Folkestone where Ipswich Town women play to get into the game on Sunday, which I think is amazing. It's kind of, I don't think we see much enough of that in the Women's FA Cup, that kind of like, you know, cliche magic of the cup. And I think the distribution that's hopefully going to come that I think, you know, Kelly's hinted at and we're all sort of waiting to hear about will make a massive difference because those those clubs will feel like it's not just giving fans a special moment, but it's potentially giving life-changing finances to clubs that because we see that in the men's game. You know, it can be life-changing money. Borenwood, obviously, where Arsenal women play, got to, what was it, the, the, the fifth round facing Everton. They got knocked out in the end. I mean, that's huge. That's huge money. So if we can get some of that sort of dripping into the Women's FA Cup, I think it'd be brilliant. And it also brings visibility with it as well because there'll be a lot of people who perhaps have never watched or, or been to go and watch Ipswich Town play at Felixstowe. All of a sudden, you know, a WSL team comes into town. It's a big deal being in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And then there's a whole new legion of fans that Ipswich have brought there. Yeah, and it's, it's Felixstowe, not Folkestone. My, what did I say? My, no, I think it is. You're right. Oh, my I geography. Folkestone's in Kent, isn't it? Not, yes. It's not Suffolk. <laughs> so, yeah, my geography's not great. But, yeah, you're right. Felixstowe, that's it, not Folkestone. I thought, anyway. I wouldn't have even known you said that. I thought <laughs> no, you said Felixstowe. No, you were right. It is Felixstowe. <laughs> anyway, yeah, nice little story from that one as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Chelsea 5, Birmingham City 0. Birmingham season goes from bad to worse, doesn't it? Uh, Magdalena Eriksson, though, coming back from injury with a bang, header just before half time, setting the tone uh, for an amazing second half 
half uh, performance from Chelsea. Beth England grabbing two. Neve Charles and Drew Spence uh, also on the score sheet. Um, Chelsea, uh, you kind of expected them to to roll over. No offence to Birmingham fans, but you expected Chelsea to roll them over, really. Yeah, I mean, I think the the depth that they have in their squad is is borderline scary. Even Neve Charles has been scoring goals quite a bit lately as well. And to see Beth, Beth England back in the squad and Drew Spence get a run at it as well, it just, again, goes to show the, the amount of depth that they've got in. And, you know, it was, that was a great result against Birmingham. Yeah, it really was. And it means you faced them in the semi-finals. Still a lot of uncertainty going on around Chelsea at the moment, obviously. The bids went in uh, for uh, the sale, potential sale of, of the club. Um, and then an interesting story came out that um, former Chelsea defender Claire Rafferty, friend of uh, Women's Football Week, who's not friends of Women's Football Week, in fairness, in Women's Football, and if you aren't, where are you? <laughs> Why aren't you? Um, but uh, Raf, I spoke to over the weekend, and she's part of this True Blue consortium that's being led uh, by herself, former men's captain John Terry, and a few others as well, um, former Chelsea players. And, um, well, hear, hear from Raf yourself, because she caught up with producer Flo earlier. So um, it's a it's a fan led consortium, and the the initial idea was to attach onto the winning bid, um, and make sure that the fans had a consistent voice. Um, and the reasoning behind that was to maintain the identity, the DNA, um, and ethos behind the whole club, the whole ecosystem of the club, men's, women's academy, foundation, etc. So. Um, there has been uh, investors that are that are fans who who kind of were, were quite conscious that um the voice or kind of dna and and the whole um the history of the club wouldn't be represented so i i, I think that the initial idea was around maintaining that and it's, and it's simple as that really um and the the, the concept is to allow fans to buy in, um, own, own a decision making, basically. So own, own a potential to make decisions and have an input. Um, and yeah, just, just kind of feel attached and, and, and identify with who Chelsea are and maintain that legacy. And who else is, is a part of the, of the group uh, 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 alongside you? So there, there, are, there are four investors. Obviously, John Terry and I are speaking on behalf of the fans and engaging the fans and and really um, advising the investors. Um, at the moment, I can't disclose who, who their investors are. I'm sure it will be publicised soon, but it's more so to um, make sure that the pitch owners, the supporters trust, um, you know, Chelsea Pride, every every fan is represented. Um, and yeah, it, it obviously at the moment, it's, it's, a, it's a theoretical idea because it is to be approved by the, the winning bidder. Um, but the, the the reason behind it was it's just because we love the club. Uh, we want to see it progress in the same way it has done, and just make sure the it's in the hands of, of someone who equally loves. The club. And do you think? I mean, do you think that it, it seems quite likely that you'll be able to attach yourself onto whoever happens to eventually win win the bid? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'd like to think so. Um, I think potentially then that you know the, the, the whoever ends up buying the club, um, it, it, the least I hope we've done is is raise the awareness that the fans need a voice. Um, I I don't know I can't really speak for the ins and outs of the investment side of it and and the kind of financial 
um, decision makers. But I'd like to think that um, in one way or another, we've either one raised the awareness of the voices behind the women's side, men's side academy, etc. Um, and yeah, I would love to say yes, <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's obviously probably down to the the win and bidder in the end. And when do you think you'll find out what the outcome is? Um, I, I'm as unaware as everyone else how long the process is going to take. Um, I think due diligence obviously needs to be taken. The sale needs to go through and then that whole infrastructure ecosystem needs to be supported. Um, and I'm just as in the know as everyone else is. But uh, I'd just like to think that any potential buyer would love to collaborate uh, with the fans. Former Chelsea and England defender Claire Rafferty there speaking to producer Flo about this fans consortium. Um, interesting thoughts there from, from Claire because from a, a Chelsea women's point of view, of course, there, there will be a lot of fans concerned that new owners taking over the club won't put the same kind of investment into the women's side. I mean, they'd be stupid to, bearing in mind what's going on in women's football at, at the moment, but you just don't know what, what the new owners will want to do. And... Uh, from a fan's point of view, that's worrying. And it must be pretty worrying from a from a player's point of view. I mean, obviously, you're not inside Chelsea, Jen, and you, you mm. don't know. But uh, how would you feel as, as a player going through that process? Do you block it out while you're playing? Is it is it in the back of your mind? It'd be difficult. There's, there's no doubt about that. I think when you play for a club there's always a huge sense of pride when when you when you wear that shirt and who you work for as a as an employee but i think every single player at that club will will be completely football focused at the minute even though they'll take obviously a huge interest in in what's going on and they'll care massively um at the end of the they're in a title race um and that's what their main focus will be on i think personally i think emma hayes will be doing an incredible job also to keep the players focused on on the task at hand and you know they're professionals there they're, they'll they'll try and be as football focused as possible I'd imagine yeah certainly it doesn't seem as if it's affecting them on the pitch uh, at the moment at least anyway right coming up we're going to talk Scottish women's football ahead of the climax of the SWPL season this is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 Hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with me, Faker Rothers, and Arsenal and Scotland's Jen Beattie. Now then, while Jen's in the studio, we're going to talk Scottish football. Why not? Over the next week, there could be a seismic shift in the Scottish Women's Premier League landscape. Celtic Park, Pitodri and Easter Road will host matches. And with bumper crowds expected, Celtic head coach Fran Alonso is urging fans to help break the record of 18,555 for a women's game in Scotland. Those games happening amid the backdrop of Rangers and Glasgow City staring each other down in the SWPL1 title race. Meanwhile, the newly crowned SWPL2 winners, Dundee United, are looking to complete an invincible league season. It's all going off north of the border. Uh, let's speak to Matt Rollinson from How's Your Touch. How are you doing, Matt? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Really well, thank you. Uh, tell us more about what's going on. Obviously, we here on Women's Football Weekly, we always touch on, on um, Scottish women's football where we can, but there's never enough space for it. Tell us what's going on and why we should be interested this season in particular. Well, obviously, that's probably the biggest title race we've had for uh, a couple of years now. I mean, there was uh, Hibs and Glasgow City went at it a couple of seasons ago, but um, last season was a little bit of a... Um, you know, it ended quite quickly other than the Champions League race. So this season, we've got Glasgow City and Rangers both within a point of each other at the top of the table. Um, and then sort of with the build-up to whatever happens next um, when that's announced by the SPFL. So uh, it's quite exciting just to sort of see, you know, um, where everyone's going to place in terms of uh, what's going to happen next season and with different leagues and everything like that going on. And a potential e- exciting time at Potodri on Wednesday, the first time Aberdeen hosting Rangers, the first time the women's side uh, have played at the ground. Me, me and Jen have just been talking about this because Arsenal have uh, back-to-back games at the Emirates uh, this week. Th- this is really big news. Yeah, I mean, it's been great this season. We've seen Hibs and Hearts both host uh, the women's teams at their men's grounds. We've seen really, really big attendances there and um, with Aberdeen doing it as well and then Hibs doing it again against Partick Thistle and so on. So it has been a sort of really big improvement and we've seen it with the Scottish national team as well. Like the fans are there, it's just sort of getting to them that's uh, the next bit, as it were. How would you see the strategy changing from the Scottish League? With the with the you've seen Rangers, you know, take on board a completely professional standpoint. Glasgow City have obviously been doing it for a while now, but you know, how how can we grow that in Scotland? How many teams do you think it's possible? And you know, should there be a licensing agreement for when you're in that league in order to to grow the game? Yeah, I mean, so we're really just seeing sort of teams start to take it. To a more professional level, so um, like Hearts, for example, they're training um, significantly more often. They're still um, obviously amateur or part-time players, but they're taking it that further step and treating it um, like a serious professional game as it should be. And I think that's something that um, we can sort of take across the board. That is a sort of small change, even just in the sort of messaging that clubs put out, that will make a huge difference. So just clubs really just taking it more seriously. Um, I, I'm not sure on the sort of level of how many clubs we can get to because, I mean, at the moment, so if we took the top three in the uh, SWF Championship and put them into the, you know, the big leagues and put them into the SBFL leagues that are coming, then that's Gartcare and Rossvale and um, Livingston. So, you know, they're not the sort of glamorous teams that uh, maybe have the funding behind them or the really big men's fan bases. So it's difficult to sort of predict where the 
sort of where it'll lie with like what teams will end up being there. But I think the main the main thing at the moment is just trying to get teams to really take it seriously, put them like messaging out there, sort of show that they're playing games and that this is, you know, it's very exciting. There's lots of really good players up here, lots of international players up here. So um just sort of getting that message out, I think it's sort of priority at the moment. Matt, in February they announced with the FPF SPFL. There's too many acronyms in Scotland. We need to do that. Too many acronyms in football. <laughs> That's the thing we need to deal with first. Um, but they they announced that change in in February. So obviously it hasn't been long since then. But what do you think that's going to mean for the teams, the leagues? What are the sort of early signs of the new competitions, or what's going to happen as a result of that change? Yeah, I think it sort of just depends on what the actual decisions are because, I mean, um, it's one of those that it could go either way. It could just be a continuation of the same sort of thing. And, I mean, Scottish women's football, the SWF, have been doing a really good job with the SWPL um, for uh, a number of years. So it could just be a continuation of that. It might be something that, like the WSL, really kicks on the professional era and starts sort of um, making teams commit to becoming full-time um, I do think that we are seeing a lot of those big men's clubs like Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts start to take it more and more seriously. And Hibs obviously are historically a big club in women's football in Scotland, but um, I think all of them are starting to ramp it up a little bit more. And um, with the SPFL taking over, since they're in control of the men's clubs as well, maybe that'll be a sort of another incentive, sort of a boost or prod in the back to say, you know, you've got to take this seriously now. It's, a, it's part of that because they're getting big crowds, which maybe they, they weren't expecting, or are they getting big crowds because they're investing more in it? I think the big crowds are coming when they're investing more, but we're, we, are, we are sort of not seeing the... Um, the it, sort of, it doesn't really translate when they don't play at the men's grounds because a lot of the clubs obviously don't play in the cities that they are from. So mm-hmm. Pips playing in Livingston, for example. Um, so when like comes to like a match day and they're not having a big event, they're not playing the derby at the men's stadium, then we are sort of seeing some crowds where they're increasing for sure, but they're not, you know, blasting up. They're not um, huge, but we are seeing obviously the Scottish national team getting consistently 5,000 people at Hamden, which is really positive. And I think that they're probably seeing that and going, this is the time now to start taking advantage of all this going on. Yeah, I think, did we say the record attendance was 18,000? I'm pretty sure that was... 18,555. Jamaica, which was pre-World Cup. So it was a huge sort of curtain raiser for us going into the World Cup. And that really, really was incredible. I think for me, the biggest one I'll never forget seeing on Twitter, the Hibs Hearts game played at Easter Road, got, I think, pushed over 6,000. And I remember thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, some WSL teams don't get that. We don't get that down here if we're not playing at a major stadium. I would just wonder what the actual strategy was from Hibs in that sense going into the game and how could we learn from that down here yeah they did a lot of obviously the tickets were um, given away they weren't um, paid for tickets which is one of those that does help but um, my understanding is that they gave away quite a lot of the tickets like purposely went into schools and things which was probably the biggest thing that anyone can do is just to you know try and get that next generation of fans but um I think they also did really well sort of promoting on social media and I think the sort of idea that it was obviously it's the Edinburgh Derby, it's the biggest game um in the Hibs season, if Spartans don't mind me saying that. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, like I think they just did a really good job of just putting it out there and going, Come to this game, like promoting it in the men's game, doing the match day programme and things like that. 
um, that you don't sort of see that often in women's football here. So, like, again, just those sort of things that make the game look more professional and more serious, um, like little little things that don't really you don't really think about in the men's football. So um, well, I think that's where it came from. It, it's quite it's quite vital. We, we see a lot of, you know, teams down here where, you know, Crystal Palace, for example, I was at Selhurst Park yesterday uh, and across the branding it's men and women in the branding and and that's really vital and I think many clubs are, are finally, finally doing that and actually here on TalkSport 2 we're pushing to get a two-hour women's football show and then we will be able to properly focus on Scottish football as well because we, we, I always feel dreadful that we never really get to fully go in depth with the championship and we never really get to get to talk about um, Scottish women's football either so I promise you Matt that's what we'll try and do and we'll get you back on uh, very soon to, to talk about it but thanks for joining us tonight Thank you Matt Rollinson there from How's Your Touch. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Rothers with uh, Scotland and Arsenal defender Jen Beattie, producer Flo with us as well. Next, we're going to preview the WSL quarterfinals of the UEFA Women's Champions League and hear from Aston Villa in England's Hannah Hampton. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others and Arsenal's Jen Beattie. Right, some championship results for you. Liverpool played out a goalless draw with Charlton. Sheffield United beaten 4-1 by Sunderland. Lewis FC 0-0 with Durham and Watford were 1-0 winners over London City. Not that many goals around in, in the championship. Uh, let's look ahead to this week's Women's Super League action with now. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11.99. Search Now Sports 18+. Stream via internet. Terms apply. Okay, some big games this week. Chelsea against Tottenham on Wednesday, a 7.45 kickoff, Jen. Uh, Tottenham stuttered a tiny little bit in their bid for uh, Champions League football next season, but they've been impressive. How do you think they're going to fare against Chelsea? Yeah, I was I was thinking about this game earlier and it, it's so different for each team. I think, you know, Chelsea are obviously chasing the league, as we know, and Spurs are pushing top three. So you, you could say, could Spurs ruin the party and, you know, stop them? But there's no way that Spurs are going to go out to that game looking for a draw. They're in it. They want to win. They're pushing top three and you've got both teams that, that need to win that game almost. They both need three points. So for me, as a, you know... I mean, take the Arsenal side of it. That will be an exciting game. You were about to say neutral, weren't you? <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Uh, Manchester United, Everton is the 12.30 kickoff uh, on Sunday. Man United, uh, I mean, it, they've, had a, they've had a consistently good season. Everton are having an absolute shocker. Is this straightforward? No, I don't think any game is straightforward in this league. Obviously, it's been a strange season for Everton. I think, you know, I was, I was chatting to you earlier and... I look back at our pre-season coming into this league and everyone was talking about everything. Everyone was talking about the investment that the club had made and the players that they brought in and how they were pushing for Champions League. And I don't think I've ever seen a team, you know, go the opposite way and really underperform. For me, that screams that something must be going on at the club because they still have very good players. But for United, you know, it's it's still a tough game. I think no matter what, we've we've all seen teams slip up in this league and it's every game towards, it's the business end of the season and everyone's trying to finish as high as they can. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, the the, the Wednesday game is Chelsea's game in hand. They could go a point above you in, in the table. They then face Leicester on Sunday in the three o'clock kickoff. Um, it, this is the kind of business end. Are you watching Chelsea slightly differently now? You know, you, you had that, that cushion because 
because they obviously had so many postponements but now we're getting to the to the real nitty-gritty how much do you look at the table how much do you ignore it I think I made the biggest mistake by watching that Villa game I'll be <laughs> honest we were we were having pre-match I think and we were all sort of glued to that Chelsea game you know thinking what's going to happen what's going to happen and, and watching Sam Kerr pop up and, and do what she does was was obviously gut-wrenching but I would I would love to say that we're we're completely fully focused. I'm I'm definitely glad that we've got a game on Wednesday night as well. So there's there's no chance of being able to watch their game. And I think at this point it has to be ton- tunnel vision. You have to be focused on on what our job is and focused on our games and whatever happens happens. But as long as long as we live, win every game towards the end of the season, now that's our job done on our front. Yeah, that's all you can do, isn't it? That was a look ahead to this week's Women's Super League action with Now. Don't forget, with a Now Sports membership, you can stream the Women's Super League, including Chelsea versus Tottenham, Manchester United versus Everton and Leicester versus Chelsea live this week on Sky Sports, all without a contract. All you need to do is search Now Sports. Women's Football Weekly Preview on TalkSport 2 with a Now Sports membership. Stream the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live without a contract from 11.99. Search Now Sports 18+. Stream via internet. Terms apply. Well, we are into the business end of the season. By the way, just to let you know, TalkSport will have live commentary of the North London derby between Arsenal and Tottenham on Saturday and Leicester against Chelsea, that game we just mentioned there, on Sunday. So make sure you tune in uh, for that. But it's the Women's Champions League this week as well. First leg of the quarterfinals on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Bayern Munich PSG is on Tuesday. Real Madrid-Barcelona also on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, Juventus-Leon and Arsenal Wolfsburg, as we've already discussed with Jen. The second legs are in the following week. I mean, obviously, the fact that you're there with those eight, with those other seven teams as well, Jen, it, it is incredible. But how are you viewing these quarterfinals? They're big games, no doubt. I mean, there's no bigger game than playing Wolfsburg at Emirates. When, but when you're listing off those teams there, it's, it's frightening. It's definitely the highest quality quarterfinals that I think I've ever been a part of. Um, but it, it's been interesting. Even even training today, you can you can tell the mentality shift within the team and and the focus that that needs for these games. You know, you, you have your eye on Wolfsburg. You know the game's coming up, but we definitely noticed the the mentality shift going into training today. And you know, hopefully, we get a good result Wednesday going into to travelling abroad the next week. Jen, I saw Design announced today that they'd had fourteen million views uh, for the early stage of the Champions League across, I think, 210 different countries as part of their global deal with YouTube. I mean, have you noticed a difference in terms of just the way that fans, the media, just general football fans are kind of appreciating the Women's Champions League, having not had that visibility, certainly for the early rounds before? And it just feels like that's transformed just the brand of the competition Mm -hmm. as well. Definitely. I mean... Going back years ago, when when we used to play in Champions League, you know the visibility just wasn't there. I think we're finally getting it in England in a domestic front, but I think I was always surprised at how it wasn't there for one of the biggest tournaments that happens in women's, women's football. And you know it's the best teams competing against each other, so that's why it's it's amazing now to see it finally happening, happening, not just in a domestic front, but in Europe as well. Because like what I just touched on, the the quality there in the quarterfinals or in the even in the group stages and before that is is so much higher now. So it's it's great to see that a lot more people are watching it. Obviously, UEFA have magazine shows that they do, and and I've I've been asked over the last couple of years to to voice women's Champions League um, packages, which again didn't happen before. So definitely, they've they've realised finally. Uh, this is a good product, and I, I hate talking about about it in terms of 
it being a product but unfortunately that's the world we live in and that's where the money is going to come from um and get eyes on it and get bums on seats and promote the game as much as uh, as it needs. Uh, right, last week, Talk Sports Bradley Hayden, he gets everywhere, doesn't he? Uh, sat down with Aston Villa and England goalkeeper Hannah Hampton, who's had a right season. Uh, Bradley spoke to her about how it's gone for her so far and, of course, that incredible England debut she made against Spain last month. I, I can't believe it still. Whenever someone mentions it, I've just got a smile from ear to ear and... It's prob- it's up there and it's probably the, the highest and most proudest moment I've had in my career so far. So it's an it's unbelievable feeling and most of it was a blur. I can't really remember a lot of it, to be fair. <laughs> was it a real kind of pinch yourself moment, sort of walking out for the first time and really sort of an opportunity for you as well to, to sort of think about how far you've come as well, given that, you know, when you were younger, you might not have been able to, to sort of play sport or football because of your your eye condition. Yeah, I think walking out, um, seeing all the fans cheering, that was that was incredible. Um, singing the national anthem um, to represent your country—that's something not many people get to experience. So again, truly grateful for that. And I, I had—I don't think I took a smile off my face in the national anthem, and I had tears in my eyes at one point. So. Um, yeah that was a huge honour and before the game starts and you you hear your name being called out in the lineup and people just cheering for you like it's unbelievable support that we've been getting recently and um, it's growing a lot so yeah that was incredible Um, obviously growing up with with the eye condition and being told I couldn't um, it did make me more hungry to get to the top and I think I'm now just proof that no matter what you get told as a as a kid or as an adult um if you want it so bad, you can still go out and get it. So it's all about following your dreams. And it's what I did. And I was I was able to fulfill my dream and achieve it. So, um, yeah, I'll keep hammering into everyone. Just follow your own dreams and don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. I mean, what was your family's reaction to, to seeing you starting? Because you were just saying to me uh, before we started that you, you didn't tell them before before the game. No, I didn't. I didn't tell anyone I was starting. So, yeah, that was quite. I didn't know whether to say something or not, but then I thought the more people that knew, the more stress that would put on you. So I just said nothing to no one. My parents found out through the lineup. Well, so did everyone else found out through the lineup. And yeah, my phone afterwards was going mental, being like, how come you didn't tell us? Or why didn't you want us to come? And I was like, well, um, I just wanted to not be stressed out. I mean, luckily my parents didn't did able to come to the game and watch it. So that was really nice. But um I don't know what have they forgiven you since <laughs> yeah I think so I think um I think with with the result that it was and how we the fact we we won the tournament in the end then yeah I think they forgave me for that Aston Villa and England goalkeeper Hannah Hampton there honestly cannot believe she didn't tell her parents that she was starting that's some serious resilience there would you have ever dared do that no, but you know what? Credit to her. Like, if that's what made her mentally feel ready and steady for the game, then, you know, to know that that's what works for her at such a young age, then credit to her. 21 years old. Unbelievable. Such a future ahead of her. I've interviewed her once before. She's she's really good fun. Really nice girl. Wish her all the best uh, for England. A delight to sit down and talk to her. All the exclusive interviews here on Women's Football Weekly with the lovely Bradley Hayden. He gets himself about talking to, to everybody. Um, Jen, it's been a delight having you in, as it always is pleasure 
best of luck on Wednesday. Be Thank rooting for you. And good luck in the North London derby, of course, as well. Two games at the Emirates, Arsenal fans. You must be very, very excited. We'll see you again soon. Uh, thank you very much to Jen Beattie, to Kelly Simmons, to Claire Rafferty, Matt Rollinson, Bradley Hayden, Hannah Hampton, producer Flo, and all of you as ever for listening. Uh, this has been Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast. You can do that via the Talk Sport app. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 